My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Welcome to the Daily Oz. It's Friday the 14th of October. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. New laws imposing jail sentences and severe fines for protesters in New South Wales have been challenged in the Supreme Court by two eco-warrior grandmothers. They're arguing these laws are unconstitutional because they take away our, quote, democratic freedoms. Now, Sam, we will explain their case and how these laws came to be in a second. But first, what's making headlines? It is now no longer mandatory to self-isolate with COVID-19. The change comes following a decision made by National Cabinet last month, with some restrictions still applying to people in high-risk settings. This week, Victoria's pandemic declaration also came to an end, and New South Wales scrapped compulsory reporting of positive rapid antigen tests. Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers has said the upcoming budget, which will be happening in a couple of weeks' time, will be updated in, quote, real time amid changes in the global economy. Chalmers has been in the US this week to hold talks around monetary policy ahead of handing down the Albanese government's first budget. Over 140 countries in the United Nations General Assembly have voted to condemn Russia's attempted annexation of four regions in Ukraine earlier this week. The General Assembly voted overwhelmingly in favour of the condemnation, with only Russia, Belarus, North Korea, Syria and Nicaragua rejecting the vote. And the good news today, American pharmacy chain CVS is slashing the prices of menstrual products in 12 US states where attempts to remove a tampon tax have failed. From yesterday, the cost of CVS brand menstrual products were reduced for all customers by 25%. Zara, I want you to cast your mind back to before the federal election. It feels like about 12 years ago. BFE, before the federal election. Before the federal election, exactly. There was a topic in New South Wales that was getting some traction in the news and it's come up again, so we're going to revisit it. The laws against protesters blocking major roads and bridges. It was one of the big stories way back earlier in 2022, but it's back in the news because of a case in the state's Supreme Court. Zara, give me a quick timeline of these events earlier this year. So in mid-March of this year, protesters from the group Fireproof Australia sat in the middle of the Spit Bridge, and that was an effort to massively disrupt traffic between the CPD and the Northern Beaches. It didn't stop there, though. Starting on March 22nd, Blockade Australia began a campaign of disrupting business and traffic in the city in a bunch of different ways, and that included climbing freight trains so that they couldn't depart and other things like sitting on tall poles on bridges in industrial areas. All of these demonstrations were to protest one thing, and that is the climate crisis. And the idea was to keep climate change front of centre as we headed towards, as you said, the federal election. And these protests definitely did make headlines. We wrote them ourselves. But I remember those protests mostly generating a lot of anger and frustration in the media. 
Yeah, and I think it's important you highlight in the media because sometimes there is an incongruence between what the media reports and what people are saying on the ground. But at the time, New South Wales Transport Minister David Elliott said what these protesters were doing was, quote, self-centred and nothing short of economic vandalism. In an interview with one of the protesters on Sunrise, Koshi called them, quote, a pest and asked them why they had a bee in their bonnet. So are these laws that we're talking about now a direct result from this spate of protests? Yeah, so New South Wales Parliament, like all parliaments, doesn't meet for that many weeks a year because MPs and upper house members are busy with their electorates and inquiries into matters of public concern. That basically means that the last sitting week before a big break is always extra busy because different members try to get different things through in time. And that was the case at the end of March, which is the period we're talking about this all beginning. Those Blockade Australia protests coincided with the last sitting week before a six-week break. So the government, which here in New South Wales is the Liberal National Coalition, They worked really quickly to crack down on climate protesters by strengthening the laws around how you can protest in the state. The Labor opposition actually also voted with them to pass the new laws because they said they have to vote for the, quote, common good and the majority of people, and that these laws would only affect a small number of people who actually wanted to cause serious disruptions. And what were the differences between those pre-existing laws and the new ones in place today? So we'll start with the old laws first. Under those, the most you could be fined for the crime of blocking traffic was $2,200. And other similar crimes, like blocking a person or a vehicle's ability to drive, had small fines attached. The state's Attorney General, Mark Speakman, said these fines were too small compared to the, quote, enormous economic carnage that these protesters had caused. And it's worth noting that when the Attorney General introduced the new laws to Parliament, he specifically cited those protests by Blockade Australia and Fireproof Australia as the reason for expanding the kinds of crimes you could be charged with and also increasing the punishment for those crimes. So what can you be charged with under the new laws and what can you be punished with? So after the legislation was passed, it made it very difficult, basically, to stage a protest on a road anywhere in New South Wales and meant that you can get into trouble if you're seen to obstruct traffic in any way around a protest. So the legislation includes specifications about not being allowed to climb or jump off, quote, major facilities, which the government defines as things like train stations, power plants and ports. And if you are charged with any of those crimes, you're on the hook for fines of up to $22,000. And remembering that I just said that previously it was only $2,000, that's a whole lot more than it used to be. And on top of that, under the legislation, you could be facing up to two years jail time as well. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Okay, so the reason we're talking about this today is the legal challenge that started yesterday against these laws by two plaintiffs. What are they arguing? The complainants say that these laws are infringing their right to protest and they've taken it up in the state's Supreme Court. And are these people actually protesters themselves? The case before the court was brought by the Environmental Defender's Office on behalf of two grandmothers who live on New South Wales's north coast, which has been, of course, one of the areas hardest hit by a number of climate disasters that we've seen over the last few years. They're part of a group called the Knitting Nanners, who you might have seen out and about. They formed in 2012 to protest coal seam gas mining near Lismore on the New South Wales mid-north coast. Their website says that they're, quote, not affiliated with any political parties, but that they rather annoy all politicians equally. 
And as part of their strategy to be the knitting nanas, they sit in camp chairs on the side of major developments on a highway, observing to see if any of the companies are doing anything illegal and no one really suspects that they're up to anything. And the reason that they have launched legal proceedings is because they say that they shouldn't have to risk imprisonment or bankruptcy to participate in our democracy. Zara, I feel like you'd be a good knitting nana one day. Don't quite know how to respond to that. That's a confirmation from us that Zara will be joining the Knitting Natters in 65 years' time. That's all we've got time for on today's episode of The Daily Oz. Zara is off to practice her knitting. If you learned something from today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe. So there's a TDA episode waiting for you straight away on Monday morning. If you need some listening over the weekend, definitely check out The Mirror. It is right on top of the charts on the news podcast feeds. It's a great listen and a new episode drops on Monday. Monday morning as well. Have a fantastic weekend. 